Hello and welcome to Max Volume Meetups. I'm your host, Jessica Jacks, delivering you our second episode. Today, I meet with Chase, a blast from the past within my very own timeline of friendships. Tune in as we reflect on our soundtracks throughout childhood, discuss the way music shaped and sustained our connections with others, and spirituality, the woo-woo behind the wavelengths of our thoughts, actions, and perspective. I don't even know how to introduce you. You're just like, we've been friends forever. Um, And I decided to invite you to my podcast so that we can talk about music and talk about how music consumption has affected you on a personal level and even on maybe like a professional level in terms of your time in the military and other things that you've went through and experienced so yeah yeah it's good tell people here. good tell people who you are what you do right now all right i'm chase uh full-time student in long beach um i do sales for a living and ride motorcycles i was in the military for a bit i uh, love language i think music uh is a good mix of language and and all the other arts and so it's it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Awesome. And I'm yeah. so glad I invited you here. I feel like my recent uh, music suggestions is part of what allowed me to bring you, like allowed me to consider bringing you on because you're so open-minded about music in general. And I feel like that's kind of hard sometimes. Like sometimes people are like, this is the music I like and that's it. And I'm not, I'm not budging, you know? weird yeah I, I think something you have to keep in mind too though is like different people's different backgrounds cater to different tastes like if you know if your parents all they listened to is jazz growing up you're gonna have some kind of feeling towards jazz mm-hmm. whether it be dislike or attraction to it and uh, some people are like ain't no good in this thing <laughs> it's not for me right I I just choose not to be that way I think because somebody created this music they had to have a reason for it whether it be an instrumental or a or a rap song or some kind of uh, hand jam of drums and singing or whatnot it's an expression everybody deserves their stage absolutely i actually like that everybody deserves their stage i'm gonna use that thank you (laughs) yeah (laughs) i just snorted so yeah um I think some of the things that we were talking about is like times when we were young and we used music as like an outlet or as a means to express ourselves internally mm-hmm. or externally. Yeah. What about you what, growing up? What, what type of music helped you release or at least, you know, comprehend on different terms added to your vocabulary? So I could go on and on about that in general. So for me, growing up and being in school I had a CD player that I would carry with me all the time and everyone thought that my taste in music was super weird and I granted it was super weird (laughs) I'm gonna be honest it was super weird because 
it's like, yes, I enjoyed listening to Backstreet Boys or like Christina Aguilera, whatever the whatever the, the hot radio. thing, yeah. whatever the hot yeah. thing was. But internally and uh, in art class, would I be allowed to actually share new age music that I would listen to on a regular basis? I would always listen to like instrumental. Um, classical music and new age. So I had, <laughs> I had the pure mood CD. <laughs> I had the pure mood CD, and I would ask my art teacher, "Hey, uh, can we play this music?" He's like, "Yeah, cool." And he, of course, he was cool with it. He was like a super hippie guy. Um, you gotta explain to me what the what pure mood is. I'm not oh no. <laughs> Oh yeah, go ahead. I can't believe you made me do this. So well, I, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna fact check it or cross reference it and be like, oh, that's what she meant. Oh my fucking Might as well God. just get it out there. So first of all, I gotta find the exact the exact disc it was because there were multiple Pure Moods discs. So is that like a the Now CDs or whatever it was that it was just a compilation? <laughs> it was like the New Age version of Wow of Now Now Music. Yes. So. Okay. <laughs> it's okay so anyways now that's what I call music 80 <laughs> <laughs> I loved those okay <laughs> I loved now 4 was the one that I had I had now 4 so I had this mm-hmm. I had this coming to realization of how like my world was different than the, than other people's world when I realized that music on the radio was edited yeah I had no idea I, I come from a very conservative family and so one day I'm, I'm listening it was it was like Dr. One of Dr. Dre's song, and at the end he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" Long pause for for dramatics, uh-huh. and then he's like, "Smoke weed every day." <laughs> but on that radio, they cut the weed part out, and so all I knew was, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" Pause. Smoke every day, <laughs> and, and to me that was good enough. It it went with the flow, right? I didn't right. need to, you know, put in the the subculture in there. But I heard some friends we all sang it together and they put the weed in there and I didn't. I'm like, what's going on guys? <laughs> I don't know. You know? And then I realized that when they explained it to me, it's like, what, what you, you edited it. And that's when it was brought to my attention that the radio edits things. Like, I mean, I didn't even start cursing until I was in like sixth grade. I went to the summer camp and came back with a new vocabulary whole lexicon full of dirty words that my grandmother wouldn't appreciate (laughs) you know realizing that my world was not the same as the perceived world of others right or the the perceived world of how radio interprets it sure and so yeah you gotta wonder like why do they edit it right it's it's them trying to do parents job a little, a little bit of parentalism there but yeah sure because if, if people start expressing themselves in four letter words without knowing how to actually get their intentions across you're gonna have a whole gap in in literacy i suppose yeah and i think as kids and having kids in general it's like how they perceive words they don't perceive it as good or bad they just perceive it as a way of a means to communicate so they don't have that perception of like oh this is a bad word and this is a good word until someone tells them what it means or tells them that it's a bad word yeah it's almost automated the, the way we just you know <laughs> take it from somewhere and then just drop it off somewhere else yeah when i was 
when I was seven years old, I was adopted from Eastern Europe and didn't speak English for a few months, right? So words and the whole linguistic thing was new to me. But I remember in se- by the time I got in second grade here, I was probably eight years old or something, I I was in the bathroom and, the, and I asked these other boys, I was, I was like picking my nose. And so I, I asked them what, uh, I said something about like, oh, I'm trying to get this boomon out of my nose. But in my family, my mom always called a booger a boomon. And recently I asked her about it. She was like, oh, it's, I, I nannied for a Swedish couple or, you know, somebody will find the country where this word is the word for booger, but that was their word for a, a booger. My mom thought booger was just too crude. She's a sweet Southern lady that, you know, was super proper and everything. So I'm in the, I'm in the bathroom picking my nose and, these, and I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I was just, somebody might've asked me, what are, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I gotta get this boom on out of my nose. It's like, they're like, you're what? You gotta get what? What's in there? Yeah. And I, I didn't know the word booger. It didn't exist. And so to me, like boom on was, was a boom on. Yeah. And then kind of like, I, I suppose every family has their little play words for stuff until there's a more a reveal more direct word for it yeah of how to reveal certain words yeah for sure i had Um, no idea that was my mom filtering for me yeah (laughs) so the radio new age music what's up with that okay so it was pure moods volume one to be very specific and it had like and (laughs) yeah it had like and yeah and like these other artists on there that i can't even remember um and one day what some seal is he pure mood seal no no so anyways uh at some point the boys were picking on me and they decided to steal my cd player because they knew it was my thing it was my they knew it was my outlet your Um, weakness here yeah, my weakness, like my kryptonite, right? And yeah, yeah, you gotcha over here. They hid it from me. It was like my security blanket. And then they never, they never told me where it was. I never found that CD player again. So, as a child, um, yes, music was a huge like security blanket for me um, in multiple ways and over time. Uh, my sister was definitely a big contributor in that because even going to sleep, we would listen to music. Like my mom just always let us have this stereo and uh, we would just play our own music on it, um, you know, through like CDs or whatever means necessary to just relax and just go to sleep. And typically my sister would put on something on repeat which was sometimes really annoying but also like I learned to accept songs on repeat a lot easier I think than most people do and so I've grown like a tolerance to listening to the same song repetitively and um it's crazy though because I was thinking about it earlier today about like when I hit seventh grade I was in love with Japanese music. I was in love with Gokt, which is like a J-rock star in Japan and is still a rock star in Japan. The guy's like 50-something and he's still making music. And I was just obsessed and like enamored with his performances. Like she would buy the concerts and I would watch them with her. And um, it got to the point where I was willing to learn Japanese, even though I would have nobody to speak Japanese to. I really weaved out, like yeah. I really nerded out hard with uh, with Japanese culture for like a long time. Um, 
And kids never, of course, nobody else would understand that. <laughs> like there wasn't any other kids that I could really relate to. It's aside from people who were like, yeah, I like anime. What about it? <laughs> like, that <laughs> was about it. So yeah. What kind of themes in music when you were at that age, what kind of themes in music drew you? It was like anything that could make me feel like out of body, I think is the best way to, to say it. Anything that could make me feel like outside of myself and then anything that could make me internalize and like really feel my emotions it was like the soundtrack to emotions it was like the soundtrack to memories um the soundtrack to like big things that would happen you know and I think that's how it is for a lot of people I think that's how it is for everybody is like music ends up being this element that we take for granted sometimes but it's there like it's there and it's playing while something is happening or you're thinking about something. Absolutely. Uh, I ended up going to live with my dad for a while when I was in high school and growing up with my mom and, and she just got done with me, told me to go go to Alabama, live with your dad. I said, okay. Uh, and he wouldn't allow me to have music. He had, he had married my stepmom and they were in their relationship and they were really big into going to church and uh, the only music in the house with these was either Elvis or some kind of band music or Christian music and and it, you know I think as a grown-up now I really at Christmas time full of Christian themed music you know deck the halls and, and not really deck the hall was uh oh come all ye faithful like those just are part of my like they make me feel good without that attachment to whatever message. But I, when I was down there, I, I had a lot of a lot of heat. I was trying to vent a lot of anger and, and things that I felt bottled up inside me. And I remember I got my hands on a Lincoln Park CD, and oh man, I must have listened to that thing inside out and, and probably burned a couple holes in it listening. Scratch, you know, the the laser on the CD player must have done it some it was funny because my dad wouldn't let me listen to my own music but he got me an alarm clock with a cd player and a radio in it so i was like okay whatever dude i'll, I'll figure this out so, yes. but by listening to those lincoln park songs they would bring up a lot of themes about like numbness and anger and betrayal deceit uh you know uh, struggle and things like that and even though you know listening to something you're not really going to have that dialogue but you can start to get those words into your vocabulary. And I think a lot of the filtering and the paternalism that goes on with different people filtering things like the radio's editing or parents saying you can't listen to this or that um, is because they that's what starts the conversation is the awareness, right? So Linkin Park talking about I'm numb and or, you know, just I, I just want you far away from me and this and that. Yeah. It gets you to be thinking. And especially when you got some alone time to actually, you know, play these songs on repeat or you start thinking, okay, what is numbness? Why would somebody be numb? Who, who has the right to be numb or where does it, you know, how does it evolve into this feeling or why would I even want this feeling? Or how do I deal with it? And so those questions you start asking yourself and then eventually when you get with somebody who you can express that to and they can understand because whether they felt it or they're just aware of it being out there, music can jumpstart that conversation. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, as kids, we're all 
we were all guilty of like listening to music and never understanding the lyrics you know like and then when you do understand when you do actually read the lyrics you're like fuck are they talking about (laughs) or you're like oh this relates to me on like such a such a real level you know because yeah yeah. it's one day stacy decided to ignore me and then i decided (laughs) i decided that she was betraying me and so i started listening to this song um on repeat because so it lets me brew in that anger in like this this safe way you know Mm -hmm. and when it comes to the barriers of being able to explain how you feel, like I've, I've definitely used music as a means to um, represent myself and what I wanted to say to people. So sharing yeah. music was something that I loved doing. And so I would burn CDs for people all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that yeah, sharing it is is definitely a good way to let it go, I guess, or or at least you know plant the seed. My first CD, I had the choice. Uh, I think it was in sixth grade or fifth grade or something. And I'm 33 now, so this is a minute ago. I had I, I remember on the radio it was Will Smith's Wild Wild West and Smash Mouth's All Star. And both of the songs I was, I really liked. I learned all the lyrics. I, I would sing them all the time. I had a tape recorder. And so when it came on the radio, I put a tape in the stereo and then recorded it so that I could listen to it on a cassette player. I wasn't fancy like you with a CD player. I was, <laughs> I was down, down a notch on the, on the tech level. But regardless, I got my mixtapes. I got them. Um, so I would, I would record them. And then one day I found myself at Barnes and Noble and, and I could only afford one CD. And so I had to choose, do I get the Wild Wild West CD or do I get the All-Star CD? Smash Mouth. I chose Wild Wild West. Uh-huh. I felt like it was more, it was so different. It was so, you know, it wasn't so sulky. I felt like rap captured my attention more than rock. I grew up with conservative parents who listened to Celine Dion, Billy Joel, Elvis. Those were the the big names in the household. Like anytime I remember hearing music when I was a kid, that was it. Yeah. Um, later on, my mom started listening to like Sting or Sarah McLaughlin when, when that was big. And my dad, I don't think he ever went past Elvis. Recently, he and I like really got down on CCR. Like we, I told him it's one of my favorite bands. And he's, he's like, why is it, why is that? I was like, I've never heard a song of theirs that I didn't like. I feel like we're so spoiled now because we have this means of finding uh, music that's related to something that we like. So yes. on Spotify, there are suggestions on YouTube. We have suggestions, um, Pandora radio which honestly I feel is better than Spotify radio. I'm just going to say that, but I don't use Pandora anymore. I only use Spotify and it definitely is. There, is there, is there a feature to Spotify that, that uh, makes you shift over your preference? Being able to make my own playlist. Like, I don't think that. Oh, you can that's not a thing on Pandora. Huh? I don't think so. And I feel like I invested as much as I have in Spotify to have premium. So now I don't deal with ads anymore. And when you when you buy premium on Spotify, it's like you get everything. Like there's no 
there's really any boundaries at all and they hook you up like they hooked me up with like a free hulu membership and stuff so in terms of what you were saying how you weren't allowed to listen to music or anything i guess and then your mom sending you off. My mom would send me off all the time. Me and my me and my sister. <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> she would send us to our grandparents um, on my dad's side. So even though my mom was separate from my dad, uh, his parents were the people who were there to watch us and like even we would even go through school and stuff with them, but only for a short amount of time, not for very long. Um, what did your grandparents listen to? Do you remember music in the household at that time? Yeah, they would always listen they about? to really, really old country music, like classical, slightly depressing, uh, actually very depressing country music. Country's gone through some some changes over the years, like kind of, like old country. I don't think we would recognize as what here as country now, like on the radio or whatever, like Toby <laughs> Keith or something like that. It's so like different. Old country was, I can't, oh man, my dad... Um, He's old school. He's, he's yeah. I think he's 60 something years old now. And we took a trip down to Florida once uh, recently, actually. It was about, I think, um, 4th of July. So we're coming back Independence Day and we're, we get on his, on my brother's phone. And my dad's, I, you know, we start with CCR. And then I was like, I was like, what about country music? Dad, what kind of country music do you like? And he goes through, he's like, well, this used to be country. And he plays like some stuff from like, 70 years ago and I was like huh that's okay that's that's not what we refer to as country on the radio and then he's like and then this led to this and then then they called this country and so we, we played probably like 30 minutes worth of songs that were all so different um when I said he got stuck on Elvis and we we went through that loop about like why would somebody get stuck on on music or you know I, I have a theory about that Personally, I think that when you have, uh, you know, our culture influences the way we think, which influences the the way we talk or how we express or like, you know, how we paint the picture that we want to be seen. Because we're always going to paint the picture how we want other people to see it. Um, But once, you know, lyrics send messages, Mm -hmm. the intention behind words is, is to get someone's attention and to maybe change someone's actions or whatever. But maybe once you've you've gained enough life experience to where you acknowledge all the themes out there all the archetypes and you just seen full circle how everything's present in every circle you go to a school and there's that whole little ecosystem of school you go to your family life and there's that whole family life you go out and out in the out in society to do something there's that whole you know everything's present at all times somewhere and i think with some of the people who get quote unquote stuck in their ways, maybe they've just had enough. You know, they're like, I'm tired of seeing different models of the same thing. I, I kind of got to that point with uh, about five years ago, like I wasn't really, maybe five years ago, I was still listening to radio stuff. But nowadays when I turn on the radio, I'm just hearing a bunch of, and I feel like I'm 60 years old sitting right there with my pops like, oh, ain't nothing good out there, but a bunch of trash. and. No, there's good stuff out there, but I, I feel like I've heard it before. Yeah. Or when they, when people say, oh, they're just jocking off of this because so-and-so did it first. Well, I doubt even that person did it first. Mm, yeah. Because it's, it's like you go back all the way to caveman days, somebody was beating a stick against a rock making jams. 
Right. Exactly. So it's like how how original can you be can you be? You can mix different stuff. I think that's that's where we get that awe factor, that novelty of something really fresh, like when somebody busts out of the in the scene and offers you the same thing but with like in a different way. Yeah. You gotta be open to it. Else you're not gonna get the message. For sure. Just celebration. For sure. And it's like I'm I think of electronic music as a way where certain things instrumentalize um you know an instrumentalized perspective ends up being stretched out in a manner of different ways when whenever I was sharing synthwave with you and how synthwave works and how like synth they call them synth walls and basically it's all of these like pieces of equipment like strung together to make different unique sound waves and mm. it's insane how it's stretched out and yet it obviously there's a very there's a very real feeling to a guitar to drums to a flute um a violin you know all of these instruments and you have a direct connection with that feeling whenever you're at like a live event um regardless of what's being played um regardless of the type of instrument that's being used and um when i think of how it feels being in a performance i have a very real like uh withdrawal issue going on <laughs> with the pandemic because i had so many plans to go to like a couple of different concerts within this year that ended up being canceled and it broke my fucking heart. Who are you going to go see? Oh my God, I was going to see Dance with the Dead, uh, Das Mortal, and Ma The Magic Sword. These are all Synthwave fans, but they were coming together to do one big show. And I was corresponding with Dance with the Dead, and I, uh, after I wrote a review for them, I was like, hey, <laughs> um, you know, here's the review or whatever, and I'm really excited to see you guys live. And they were like, yeah, let's get a drink or something. And I was like, what? Like, this is so crazy. So, you know, I felt like this fangirl moment and then it got taken away from me. So I felt like terrible. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as like any performances you've went to, like have, how, what kind of performances or which performances did you attend? You know, to be honest, I haven't been to that many concerts in my life. It's always been... You know, I hear it somewhere, I like it. I end up picking up an instrument somewhere and, and just keeping it in mind. Yeah. When I was 17, I went to a Dave Matthews Band concert and I didn't even like Dave Matthews Band, but I got free tickets and I was like, okay, cool, a concert. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time we got there, it started raining and, and we left early and it, it was just kind of like a, uh, I, like a, it wasn't the concert experience I'd imagined in my little romanticized 17-year-old mind of right. going wild and everything being exciting. It was, it was kind of dull, but, you know, at the same time, it was it made me kind of realize that it's just some dudes up there doing their thing, and we're out here to enjoy the thing. And my focus wasn't the music at that time, so obviously I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, later on, when I was in Japan, uh, my roommate played in a metal band, 
And prior to that, I'd never had any metal experience. I, I made fun of it. I was, I had some friends who were into, uh, into metal and they were in metal bands and stuff. And so I, I kind of acknowledged that it was just one more genre of expression. Just like you're saying, the synth wave is just this conglomeration of, of different ways to push that, that vibration. And so, you know, until I got to his show, he was in a metal band and he invited me out to the bars one night. I got up there, I, I found myself nodding my head and just like real fast. And I, I liked punk music before that, where I would go to this dive bar in Broad Ripple, Indiana, and found myself digging out to, I can't even remember any of the names, like Flogging Molly, I think comes to mind, or just that Irish punk. When I got into playing hand drums myself, I found it really special to go find a drum circle and plug in. I, I've always admired playing guitar. And that same roommate in Japan who was in the metal band, he sold me one of his guitars while we were rooming together. And, and that thing hung on the wall for like longer than I ever played it. I have limited concert experience, but I certainly appreciate it, you know, the effort it takes to coordinate sound, to get yeah. music going to where it actually, or it's orchestrated, you know? You can go up there and play all the notes on the piano, but it's going to sound like shit. I mean, we often forget that the space between the notes is just as important as the notes themselves. And that takes a little bit of effort to put together. Absolutely. And it's just uh, when it comes to my concert experience, uh, I do have kind of like a funny story, too, because my first concert experience was seeing Kid Cudi and Common. And it was completely random. Uh, I was visiting a friend who was going to UF and ended up at this concert in the middle of like a court, like a courtyard, basically. And so they got on stage and I was like, who is this? You know, like I didn't, I didn't, wasn't even familiar with Kid Cudi aside from, it was like one of the very first hits that he got. And it was, um, Day and Night? Yes, Day and Night. Yeah, I was just listening to a Crooker's remix of that uh, a couple of days ago. Nice. And then Common shows up, and I'm like, this is somebody that I should know, but that I don't know. And now that I know who Common is, I'm like, holy shit, I saw Kid Cudi and Common in concert, and it was my first concert yeah. experience. And then now I use it as like, yeah, guys, I'm pretty cool, because it's just so random. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got some old school friends who are like, oh, man, it, nothing would compare to a dead concert. Or, man, I saw I saw Zeppelin one time, and I'm like, all right. I, for the life of me, it's hard for me to like idolize people I don't know or that I don't have a personal relationship with. Mm-hmm. I can certainly like appreciate their uh, contribution to the scene or whatever, you know, whatever vibe I'm feeling from the music. But beyond that, it's like, I wouldn't put them above me. <laughs> right. The way that I perceive how music artists view fans is they're very, very important. Um, and I think that there are definitely extremes to like fangirlism or like being a, a super fan of somebody and like idolizing them and like having their pictures everywhere and like all this other stuff. Me as a, you know, a teenager, I really loved Backstreet Boys and Nick was my favorite Backstreet Boy. And so I had posters of him and I remember being so mad that he ended up with Paris Hilton. I remember being so pissed off, like he owed something to me. <laughs> Like it was so it's so silly, but like as kids, you you have this weird these weird fantasies um, in terms of like 
when you idolize people who are famous and stuff. And I think there there probably are definitely like unhealthy extremes, but I highly doubt that it's really a means of idolizing somebody more than yourself. I think it's just idolizing someone who gave you that expression when you didn't have it, having that message come through the lyrics and like hitting you in a really different way and like a very um, impactful way. And I think that is where that comes from. It's not so much as like, they're better than me. It's more like a, you did something for me that I can't Yeah, you drew it, drew it out of me. Exactly. I, I have this inside out view of life where I, I feel like, just like DNA, we, we come into this world ready. We just need to be focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody needs to dial us in to be useful wherever we're plugging in. Yeah. And I explained to my stepdad once, like when his parents died, like both of my grandparents passed away when I was in China uh, a little over a year ago. And he was real sad because he lived, he still lived on the property. He built a house and on their property in Maine. And uh, eventually like we corresponded while I was overseas. And uh, he said he was, I was like, Oh, that's, you know, keep your head up. And he's like, well, yeah, it's just, I, I'm constantly reminded of them. And, and I'd read in a book called uh, Eastern Body, Western Mind by Anadea Judith once that grief is the is like the demon of the heart. It's the shadow of love that that it's it's the heart killer. You know, if you grieve too much, you're gonna you're gonna sink into that that wallow. You're gonna wallow in that. But I told him I was like, hey, look, I had a I had a friend pass away recently, and and when I miss him, I, I consciously switched that thought into. It's not him that I miss. It's something in me that was brought out by that, by that co-creating of, of an experience between us that was already there. Like, you know, that happiness is in there. So I, it's not that I'm feeling like competition with the celebrities in that, oh, I wouldn't idolize them. I wouldn't put them above me. But I, I feel like when they bring something out of you, when they teach you something, because they're they're spreading that message, they're passing that theme along in in a different in a different flavor. Mm-hmm. You can appreciate, uh, you know, their taste or their version of of the experience. Yeah, and it's just I feel like the experience is so unreal, especially in like live performances. And I'm gonna refer to seeing uh, another synthwave but it was dark synth it was dark synth uh he is a dark synth artist and his name is um perturbator and he brought a drummer <laughs> he brought a drummer on tour with him to amplify that experience so instead of just having his synth and his laptop he also brought on a drummer to amplify that experience and make it more like just electrifying and I think that's so cool because I feel like most people who like perceive DJs as like they just have a laptop and they press play and then they're partying up there the whole time. But when you when you want to consciously impact your audience and you put intention into it and you bring on a whole other element in order to make that experience something memorable, like that's huge. So Yeah, in intentions are Absolutely. So in terms of like coordinating with other musicians, when you are, uh, when you are putting a slightly artificial or like electronic, uh, show, 
it's really cool that like they show that appreciation for these instruments in a real way. And so I don't know. It was just, it was so cool. I loved it. And I was fangirling the whole time. (laughs) Um, I know we were talking a little bit more about your time in the military. And I know that when we first started talking, you were in Japan and I remember corresponding a whole lot of music with you. And in terms of like being in the military, like how much did music continue to influence you even though you were overseas? As far as music and being overseas, I I can tell you that it's, you miss some of it. Like movies are in Japan, they come out two weeks later than when people start talking about them on Facebook. You know, um, same thing with a lot of the CDs that end up being sold at a at a market over there, um, whether it's on base or at a at a store, I got this reggae kick, and I went to a, a CD store, and I just went through the, the used section and bought like so many anything and everything that looked interesting, and I probably found like three new artists that I'll, I'll still listen to today that really appealed to me. Um, using music as a as an outlet, whether it be you know to vent your energy or to channel energy, it has been a huge thing for me. Every year in the Marine Corps, you have to go and qualify at the shooting range, so to keep your marksmanship up and whatnot. So you know, at four o'clock in the morning, you're all in full gear and you go check out your rifle and you hop in the back of a seven ton and you head to the range and it's still dark by the time you get there and it was cold from what I remember. And I would put in my headphones and the whole time during the ride, I would listen to really like intense music. And I mean, intense, like, like Pastor Troy, like Dread or Alive and, and put them on the scope and uh, Yin Yang Twins was happening and just Young Bloods, Damn and, and uh, all kinds of stuff just to get myself get in that zone of control and power and like because I always felt that I, I, I rock climbed all through high school. And so for me, I remember one time I was listening to What's Happening by Ying Yang Twins. And it was just so high feed. And I'm sitting there. I, I was sitting on a rock waiting for my turn to climb. I'm watching my friend. And the song was playing in my headphones. And I, I noticed I was I was tapping my my toes to it. Like the beat had gotten into me. And I'm, I'm going with the rhythm. And then I was like, is it possible that... I cannot do this song because I noticed at that time, every single time that song came on, and many like it, I got it, it just moves me literally. Mm-hmm. And so I did an experiment where I laid down and I played the song from the beginning and like Bombs Over Baghdad by Outcast or something, something like super like fast and loud and just like right in your face. Um, I could not, for the life of me, hold still mm-hmm. when a song like that came on. And Knowing that, you know, probably about five years later when I was in the military and going to the shooting range, shooting is comprised of three things and they're all about control. That gun is not powerful if you don't have control. There was an old Lexus commercial that showed off the car and they're like, control is the, or they said, yeah, control is the axiom of power. That means everything about power revolves around having control, whether it be a motorcycle or a gun or whatever it may be. And so on the range on the way there i would listen to these songs and i told myself i can channel this energy i can get it in me and and then i can use it to just squeeze the trigger to breathe properly have bone support muscle muscle fatigue and my breath control working all together 
if I just use that energy in a very conscious way. And so it, it never failed. I got expert all four years. I was sent to a, a what do you call it? A, a shooting school to teach Marines how to shoot. And a lot of it was me just consciously thinking about that theme of control. Like you, without outside influence, but awareness of outside influence. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the things about music that, that move us are like we sense it's out there and then when somebody like brings it to our awareness we're like oh yeah 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 that's it okay that's one way to talk about it sure like my dad never listened to rap i i think one time we were on a road trip and i was like oh dad listen to this song it was so benign it was it was will smith friend no partners everybody needs a partner to stay right by their side and like it, it had this badass rip, fucking beat breakdown and then this flow that he went into and it was just like had the chorus in the background he's talking to jazzy Faye, and they're conversing in it it was just like to me that was a jam right then and i didn't hear like one curse word and so i thought you know i'm gonna turn my dad on to rap and so i was like dad will you listen to this one song and like the one song that i ever had him listen to was that song like never again did he listen to any of my songs afterwards or did i offer <laughs> but the only thing he got out of it was there was this there was this part in it where he's like are you my partner uh-huh are you my dog uh-huh they're like through whatever and then he's like if the police come you're gonna have my back and there's like yeah and i'm your roll dog and all this the only thing my dad got out of that whole jam was why is he involved with the police? Oh and I'm like, dude, you missed the whole everything. This is about friendship. This is about, you know, support and and being there. And it's just presented in such a raw and dynamic fashion. But all he got, he was stuck on why why they have the police. Why was why though? That whole meme just he's all like why though and me. Yeah. So I, I couldn't get through to him that. You know, this is one way to express, and this is what I appreciate when somebody can do it this way. Right. And exactly. so, I, I don't know, man. That's uh, that was how I used music in the military. I did a little bit of DJing, where it was pretty much just press play. You know, sync the beats per minute and and get it. But it was at an old club that that only me and my friends went to, and it really we shut it down when we got there because we'd roll like eight deep, and there'd be four people in there, so we became the club. Yeah. And I asked the owner, I said, hey, man, there's nobody up there spinning instead of just me requesting all the songs and you going up there to change it. Why don't you let me bring a set and then I'll rock out so we can have my friends. We'll bring friends and they'll buy your drinks and, you know, everybody will be happy. Nice. And long story short, I remember that even messing with Fruity Loops, being able to make music, that was a cool deal. I once I, I started listening to trap music, I couldn't figure out on Fruity Loops how to break the, the hi-hats down into that, like, <laughs> where, it, where it chops it up so much that it becomes like one sound. Yeah. So I gave up on that, but music's been so powerful in, in that way of expressing maybe not even a message or a sentiment. Like we all go through that ego trip when we're just figuring out that, oh, I, I am me, I am powerful i i can make moves people i can influence people i have i have a say in in my environment and then you hear the message being given one way or another like you know you can choose to ignore somebody or you can just say i don't give a damn or you can tell them to to piss off 
and certain songs like that's that's how they present that message maybe literally like damn by young bloods you don't give a damn we don't give a fuck yeah okay that's just saying that i'm i'm beyond your petty issues right right but it's not presented like all you know 1800 sophistication it's <laughs> right it's like yo fuck off dude go find, <laughs> find something to do yeah and i feel like um sometimes it's so easy to especially for like people who are a little bit more conservative tend to take things out of context um they whatever catches their attention that's what they focus on and then everything else sort of goes out the window so it's like the one thing that they can pick up on they're like i understand this in a depth that you're not perceiving the way that i'm perceiving so like we all here's the yeah yeah go ahead i'm sorry so we all like are perceiving um that message differently so whereas with your dad he got oh well, why is he involved with the police <laughs> and you're like know, right? no but this is about you friendship heard, you know three and a half minutes you heard police and you were like uh-uh yeah exactly for me. yeah so that's the that's right. the example that i'm that i'm referring i to. wish i had a videotaped him i bet he was just sitting there bumping in his head and and, and then he heard pro- police and he just stopped like, i don't want nothing to do with that Right. <laughs> and I think it, music, it, because culture influences language and influences expression of sorts. And, you know, I, when it's super informal, I speak Ebonics. Uh-huh. I I don't speak like formal English. I'm like, why the hell that go down like that? Where That ain't me. Why do you do that? Those kind of ways. I It's because to me, that's the most comfortable way to connect my thought to action real quick and what you mentioned about the you know someone being more conservative and and getting stuck on on that thing there's a study i read recently that mentioned that if you are conservative you are going to find more comfort in concrete statements which tend to be to one extreme or the other right and you can imagine because if something's concrete and it it doesn't really change you feel safe in that in that knowledge mm-hmm. you don't you don't really need to interpret it any sort of way you don't have to add your own thing to it it's just to you that's the way it is and to my dad there is no reason to go against the police there could be no possible and dad you don't go out partying and get drunk and try to walk home having to duck and dodge popos yeah you're not out there hitting licks and and you know trying to launder money you're not out there you know selling birds and getting caught you're you're doing old man things (laughs) at home watching your kids grow up um but taking it out of context is there's a indian man named Sadhguru, and he once said that context will always be more important than content and it, it it just goes to say that no matter what you do it can always be interpreted wrong someone can always mistake your intentions you can always you know they say like uh, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see yeah i've heard that because you never know the full story there's it, usher said in one of his songs he was like there's always three sides to a story there's your side their side and the truth and the truth doesn't change. It needs no no words. It, it We all know the truth. It's just how painful is it for us to express our truth of, you know, I lied about that. So here's here's why. I, it, I, I said it this way to make you think that way. Here's why. 
not a lot of people get down on why. And I think one of my uh, favorite things towards the end of high school was like conscious rap, like atmosphere and, and uh, even common. I, I've heard some of his songs and um, guys like from the Bay Area, lyrics born, totally, totally message driven. And I would even go so far as, you know, E-40's thug ass. He's got some, he's got some words to say. And there's a, there's a, there's a few ways of him putting things that I can really relate to. Yeah, maybe I didn't have Pirellis with stickers on them, but I get that feeling, right? I may not have had $2,000 jeans, but I know what it's like to have something new or to feel proud of, of maintaining something that I've worked to get. And so if you get stuck on content, man, maybe that's not the content for you. Yeah. And rather than my dad saying, you know, this, I, I understand that there's something about this that, that you re- that resonates with you, but it's not, I, you know, I, he, he wasn't like, well, Elvis said the same thing, but different. <laughs> I guarantee you, he, oh boy, went through all those same themes and content and lyrics that uh, rebellion. That's a phrase, that's a phase we all go through that these universal themes in music that recur across genres within every artist you know i think a good album addresses all those things that's one of my favorite things is to uh you know connect the dots between different genres different artists different songs that an artist may have like once you start you're like you listen to a whole adele cd and you're like damn she's all butthurt about something (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) or or you listen to you know a young buck album and you're like dude's got some dude's got some venom to spit like he's he's got a lot of angst like something he don't want to do that again and and so whether you're running to or running from something it's all full circle there's there's so much to get out of music that you know if you get stuck on the way somebody sings or or the way they dress on stage or you know their album didn't mention anything about anything about teddy bears so you know i don't know about all this <laughs> teddy bears is my thing or, or things like that like some people have to have something or maybe they just they only know that one version yeah and we can't really look down on people like that because some people never leave a city some people never you know experience more than their immediate experience true the music's a way to bridge that gap for sure yeah I agree completely. And it's like, when I think of music that my mom liked, it was all Spanish music, <laughs> you know, like mm. there's of course- What kind like, of Spanish music? Bachata, merengue. That's the, that's what's up. And then, <laughs> and then gradually she got more comfortable with like reggaeton and stuff like that. And it was just because mm. of association, I think, because her friends got more- into like dancing on Saturdays or whatever. So then she would go dancing with them on Saturdays and then it ended up being like a thing or being more fun. And like, my mom liked to party, she did. So like whenever she would have a party that was what was on the stereo, you know, she would find a few CDs, she would tell me to control the music. And so I would, (laughs) you know, I was like their little DJ. (laughs) And like, yeah, and I mean, I was pretty young, but like she would like, slip me some alcohol or whatever and like a drink just you know for fun and I was like okay sure mom controlled chaos <laughs> yes controlled chaos so, you ever heard of Kizomba 
No, I haven't. K-I-Z-O-M-B-A. I really like it. It's kind of like reggaeton, but a little bit slowed down. It's like the rhythm and blues of Angola. Nice. Um, Angola was, was, the coast of it was colonized by the Portuguese. Huh. And so pretty much what the colonizers from Europe did to, I guess, the northern west coast of Africa and, and started the, the slave triangle out west, the Portuguese did the same thing, just a little further south and, and directly across the equator is Brazil. And um, and that's why they speak Portuguese there because that's that's who landed there. It's like in the in the Philippines, the Spanish colonized it, and so it was, a lot of the things there are Catholic, and a lot of the names San Miguel, San Felipe, San this, San that. Um, Kizomba is I, I I like it a lot. It's 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 like reggaeton, but more R and B ish rather than thuggish. Right. Um, and it's all in Portuguese. Well, most of it. I think like the cultural influences on music is huge too. Um, you know, like as I was mentioning before, like I got super influenced by like Japanese music, and it's like it's funny. You were in Japan, you got influenced by metal in some way, right? <laughs> you A lot know, of things. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like there's what's so amazing to me too is like there are cultural influences in all genres. You know, it's not just like, okay, this is Japanese metal, even though it's like J-metal, J-pop, J-rock, like they... Still they metal. It's, it's like metal. it's like when a vegan calls a, uh, you know, this is a bean-fried, pepper-crusted, <laughs> artificial lamb chop. <laughs> it's a lamb chop. Or like there's meat in fruit. The, the meat of a fruit is not meat from an animal. It's just the meat of a fruit. So when you call it like J-pop or, you know, J-rock or whatever, it's still pop. It's still rock. It's just... Yeah, in another their... language. Right, right. Yeah. Because they thing have to express that too. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's like, you know, I don't understand Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but I can listen to Spanish music. And it goes the same where it's like... You don't have to speak the language to feel the emotion. You don't have to speak the language to like, you know, groove to it or dance to it or whatever. And that's what I think is so cool. It's like, even though there's like a language barrier, I mean, and maybe not everybody has a whole lot of experience with like different language music, but from my perspective, my personal perspective, it's like you still have that connection to it regardless, even if you don't understand what they're saying. Yeah, music's powerful. Like just the the instrumentals alone. I when I play djembe or when I play bidimbao for for capoeira, it's a, it's a single string bowed gourded instrument that's you know it's prevalent all over Africa. But the one in in Brazil specifically just has one gourd on a on a bow. It's a percussion instrument. You slap the string. Something simple like that. When I'm jamming, yeah. <laughs> When I'm jamming and somebody comes up with a guitar, I'm like, I'm done. Because there's so much... Yeah, I mean, guitar's beautiful. I got one sitting right here and I play it. But there's so much resonance in each of those. Six strings versus one. It's overpowering. And I think rather than battle against it, I just I just let it take over, right? And enjoy it for what it is. And when we hear music in the, in the background of, of lyrics... Uh, when I started noticing that when albums dropped or singles dropped, uh, a lot of artists would make an album where they have the radio edit, the full song unedited, and then they will have the acapella and the instrumental. So 
four four tracks on an album for a single and just sometimes you, you take the lyrics away and the song sounds different you get a different feel to it mm-hmm. or you you take the the music out and and they're really expressing some stuff right. um i was listening to some soca today uh, jamaican like dance hall music and the the song's message was hey i don't i don't need to label the situation to feel how i feel and enjoy it it was called technically by by someone and in my mind i took away the music and the and the vibe of it and i just it, like pretty much transcribed the words in my head and i was like oh man what a what a clever little catchy catchy chorus you know technically you're not my baby but i, I or something something or another he was like you don't have a man so i don't have to be one way or another and you don't i'm not your dude so you i don't have to be one way or another let's just enjoy the dance right. and and not not label it and just taking the music out of it and, and hearing the lyrics was cool and then there's other times where i'm like dude this remix sounds way better than the original yeah and, and vice versa where the remix just flops but hey somebody likes it the thing that i really love about covers and remakes nowadays um take for example disturbed's cover of um hello darkness my old friend or the sound of silence you know um which is sound of silence um mm-hmm. he puts the element of the lyrics and what the lyrics meant into how they instrumentalized it and into his vocals instead of making it sound chipper and happy he actually reflected what the lyrics really meant and made a more like somber powerful and then anger and then somber again type of theme to it and it was just incredible i don't know if you've heard it yet but holy shit like people really gravitated to that and it was like it's like creating a, a new piece of something familiar you know it's like i know this song but not this song like, i don't know this yeah, version not this of side song. of it right. not this side of it and it's like whenever you hear songs that are different or sound different than the lyrics are you get distracted and you think that it's this upbeat happy song but the lyrics are really really fucking dark oh yeah like, you can change it pumped up kicks for for instance you know it's talking about like school talking about school shootings bullying then, yeah it's talking about like school shootings and then the music itself is just super happy like super just energizing and it's like it took somebody blogging about it to be like wait a minute guys <laughs> Did you read? Oh, did you hear what he said? <laughs> did you guys really listen to it? Like, did you guys really hear what he said? Because it's it doesn't it's not anything like how it sounds. And I think it takes a special kind of like I don't know. It's like a trick of the mind, you know. And at the same time, it's blatantly obvious because they literally wrote it. <laughs> so it's just weird how that works. That's so cool. Yeah, we experience a little bit of cognitive dissonance when when we hear something that doesn't match our idea of it mm-hmm. when we you know it's like i hear this happy upbeat song so i imagine the lyrics are happy and upbeat i don't it, it just kind of doesn't even phase me what the actual lyrics are or 
oh, the other kid better run faster than my gun. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, you better run faster than my gun. And then it, until you take the music out of it and you're like, you better run faster than my gun. Right. What in the fuck could that else, what, what else could that mean? Exactly. You know, it's like, it's right there in your face. You outrun a bullet. <laughs> yeah. I remember getting a, a Daft Punk CD. Um, and it was just so cool how they blended their voices with the guitar in it. Um, that was that was a cool album to have. At that same time when I got that album, this was like middle school, I also went and rode my bike for like, after I came back from a camping trip in sixth grade, I rode my bike for like five, six miles to a CD store. And like kids these days, a CD store is a store with CDs. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Right. But we used to actually have music in our hands. That yeah, was thing. I remember. I rode all the way out there to get the Outkast CD that I heard Bombs Over Baghdad on. And that was a prized possession of mine for a while. I remember finding Ludacris' Word of Mouth CD in my, in my middle school computer lab. And I'm, I was like all sneaky. We all looked around, make sure nobody was in there. I was like, well, I guess it's mine now. I went home, I put it in my CD player, and I fell asleep listening to the whole album. And I was like, oh man, what a bunch of hits, because I'd hear, I'd hear Roll Out on the, and Saturday on the, on the radio. Mm-hmm. And now, but here's something real interesting. I noticed that when I go running, I have a running cadence that feels comfortable for me. So for me, it's 86 beats per minute. And there's certain songs that actually hit 86 beats per minute. So when I look to make a playlist, I'll I'll sample the song real quick just to, you know, I'll play the song before I add it to the playlist and I'll stand in place and kind of just jog to see if it feel comfortable to to hit it on that on that beat. Um the only example, song like uh, the only yeah. song that that works for me is uh, Sandstorm by Darude. <laughs> that is the <laughs> whatever. And it's like when it comes to Yeah, that's about that's roughly eighty six. Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa. Uh-huh. That's another one that, that hits that. Um, Chain Music by Wale. Chop Chop by Youngbloods, One More Road to Cross, DMX. Um, there's so many, like Going Through Some Things by Lil Boozy and Webby and Keep Your Head Up by Webby. There's so many. And a lot of these songs, like once you zone out to the rhythm, once you zone out to the instrumentals and the words can hit you, that's why it's art. That's why it's it's poetry is because they're they're presenting it in a way that isn't so cookie cutter, isn't so concrete to where you can put your own flavor on it, but they're still giving you the the meat and potatoes. Right. You know, they're not over seasoning it so that you don't have any room for interpretation. They're they're giving it to you raw. And I think that's that's huge for me. I'll go running and I'll I'll something in a song will pop. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this reminds me of a time when whatever. So if I had known how to say this then, then I think it would have been, it would have added to that experience. Sure. Or if I had known what was going on back then because I heard it in this song, I could have called it out. And I would have changed the whole dynamic of whatever was going on. Absolutely. 
And um, I was going to say, it's so cool that you like test it out first. For me, it's like, what's going to be fast and something that I'm not going to want to stop moving to. That's what determines well, it, my like, you know, what I want to Everybody has a cadence that's comfortable. For me, there's, yeah. there's times when it's like a song comes on and I want to hit the beat. Air Force Ones by Nelly. That that's one of those or that's that hits the beat so that I can you know on the twos and fours one of my feet is coming down and it's that motivates me to run because if I have to think about running it's not as as interesting as when I can use I can be more engaged I think that's what it is by automating some of the process I can let my mind enjoy the experience rather than my body being the one that's crying out the most exactly. just autopilot it oh that's huge when it comes to like incorporating spirituality because I know you're very spiritual like down to earth but like so woke so woke <laughs> so woke call me wo- little wokey how do you incorporate music with with that because with me it's like when I use when I meditate if I remember to meditate, which I'm very guilty of um, not remembering or scheduling it. I use okay, ambient. Well. I use like very ambient, euphoric, lyricless music. All right. Well, for me, it's, you know, I, it's such a loaded term. It's all super woo woo when you start talking about spirituality. And the moment you drop the S bomb, people are like, oh, this this ideological freak blah 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 but we have to remember that beyond our senses mm-hmm. life still exists just because we can't see it or touch it feel it taste it hear it whatever it's still there and so for you to connect to it when it's not there it's it's something spiritual it is something that you're transcending whatever is your current state into that quote unquote altered reality. Mm-hmm. And so by setting your intentions, you're, you're able to select the filter through which to perceive the thing you want to investigate or the, the reality that you want to um, exist in for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I like interpreting a lot of things that if I want to be less physical about something, I I really enjoy studying chakras and how um, the the Vedic knowledge of of India, all the tantric knowledge that's been passed down, influences one's interpretation of of events. For example, the rainbow. It's pretty. It's it's associated with gay pride. It's uh, marker of hope. It's a, it's a big joke with a pot of gold at the end. It's all the colors in the spectrum, and but they have they have they're each one each color is associated with a chakra. So you're going from red as the lowest vibration, lowest frequency, to orange, to yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, and all of those are associated with a an energy center, which certain things reverberate in certain ways. So for example, if you're going through something, let's say you're hungry, well, that's that's survival that you're dealing with. That's something that everybody needs to be physically intact. Food, shelter, sleep, 
Um, and then you get into a higher order of need, like desire. You know, once you've satiated your food, shelter, sleep, it, desire, things that we don't necessarily need, but we want. And that would actually, you know, satisfy us further. And then after that, it's like once you've gotten the things you desire, you, we long to expand. So we're these creatures that are never happy with something for that long until we get deep into it so then you go into control you know you're trying to your willpower is called in and then once you're done with those lower three chakras of survival desire control you go into your heart chakra and that's about love and and really like non-attachment if you will and then even higher order than that is is truth your throat chakra is all about truth the color is blue um and then intuition for the third eye, the indigo chakra, and the knowledge, like just the the understanding of what it is. So music and spirituality, I've got probably about eight chakras that, not chakras, eight mantras that I find myself humming and invoking once in a while for things. Um, for lack of a better description, it's because they resonate with me. So, for example, if if I'm making this sound like, uh, that's really coming from like my throat and something like, uh, it's coming from elsewhere in my, my, in my breathing system. And, you know, we have to clench our muscles a certain way to create a certain sound, just like a musician must put their finger or their lips on an instrument a certain way in order to get that vibration out. Our body's no different. When we sing, when we talk, we we train our, our muscles to coordinate that sound. So music and spirituality, I think the meta concepts of life, when, when I find something that resonates with me, whether it's a certain sound or an instrument or a pattern of, of rhythms um, or a collection of all of them, I, I I simply appreciate it and allow that to to be like okay so whoever put this together they knew something or maybe they didn't they were just going with their feelings and they they allowed someone else they shared this you know they I, I like to say music is what feelings sound like because ultimately you're creating this vibration which is generating feels exponentially so when you're at a concert and they're they're blasting that music or the instruments just hitting your soul that's someone curating that you know in a way that obeys some kind of you know universal principles some physics if you will that just hit you just right i wouldn't say that music is spiritual by nature but all of life to me is is quite spiritual because there's a physical side of it and there's the non-physical side of it and neither one exists without the other and simply noting the contrast is is there i think the the older i get the more i appreciate music without words because just like I was talking about my dad getting stuck in this thing because he's been full circle, been around the block, and now he's hearing the same message by somebody else at a different stage in their life, whether they're all ego or like super, super yogi. Like, we're going to let that message out how 
we best think it would be interpreted according to our intentions. And sometimes the only intention is to rock somebody, to just get them out of the zone. Like, you know, you can have a spiritual moment in any kind of music. I, I've found times where I can't stand certain sounds, but then, you know, I hear the right metal song at the right time. And I'm like, that's, it's resonating with me because my vibration matches that vibration. And ultimately the whole universe boils down to just little vibrations of shit. You know, atoms bumping into atoms. And so like when you could just be that atom, yeah, rock out. Whether it be to techno or, or some kind of, you know, bachata or you're sitting there with rock, rap, reggae, whatever the case may be. Granted, I think some music is less direct than others. And often I, th I feel like people need the more or less subtlety at different times. And yeah. so sometimes a real ego-filled song that's talking about, you know, money and bitches and, and shiny shit <laughs> doesn't really hit the spot. Yeah. You know, other times when you're all talking about feels and, you know, the, the perfect setup to something, that ideal romantic scene doesn't hit the spot either. So there's a time and a place for all these little... Moments. Yeah, levels of intensity, if you will. Right. Um had like a yeah. growing appreciation with instrumental music because it allows you to put your own lyrics in place and it's the lyrics of what you're feeling and it's the lyrics of mm -hmm. what, what you're thinking and when that's applied to the instrumental or the lyricless stuff regardless if it's fast or slow or like melancholy or happy you can draw up memories you can draw up fantasies when it comes to music um mm -hmm. and i feel like i've had that appreciation when i was younger um i was obsessed with like reading fantasy books um and you know in regards to <laughs> regards to like unicorns and dragons and shit so of course i was listening <laughs> to new age music and thinking about yeah. these things um as a child and then now it's like i'm I'm thinking of life experiences, whether I had them or I didn't. And the music is the soundtrack to that. And the music is the soundtrack to like this, excuse me a second. <laughs> My son ran out of the room. Music is the soundtrack to the cinematography that's going on in your head. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it complements the scene. Exactly. It's like a little, you know, a little background. A little film reel. There. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's like a motor, you know? And I feel like it really, it, music sort of greases the wheels, so to speak, when you're thinking about things. And it just drums up all of these emotions, whether it's trying very hard or not. And when it comes to, like, there not being any lyrics, the only way to fill those up is to think about it. Think about, oh, how does this make me feel? What does this make me think about? And where was I when I first listened to this song? You know, I was talking to my coach earlier and he was like, I heard a song the other day uh, that reminded me of my grandfather. And he was like, kind of sharing a moment with me where he understands the importance of music and how it plays a role in like memories and uh, incorporating energy and like how 
it's meant to make you feel. So when it comes to like how I feel about music being spiritual or not, I think it's up to the person who's listening to it because some people could just be listening to notes, listening to like something that sounds good. They'll be like, yeah, this sounds good. Doesn't go anywhere beyond that, you know, and no judgment for people who do that. Um, It's just what it is. People just perceive and feel differently in regards to music, you know? Yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge your feelings when you're, when you get them, especially when, something elicits them out of you um the emotional guidance system is is just that that's allowing us to you know you're not going to feel something for something that's not important to you Mm -hmm. all right so when when you do start feeling a certain way and you can you can catch yourself saying hey i i actually this is making me feel some sort of way we'll dig into it you know start asking questions what about it what different aspects are uh, how, what is this comprised of? You know, is it the lyrics that's getting me? Is it that, did I hear that instrument somewhere that reminded me of something? Is it that rhythm? Is, is it the clave that I'm that I'm hearing in the bachata that's that's just like clockwork that's making me really dig it? Is it, uh, or did I hear this song somewhere? And at that time I was with someone or at a certain place that made me, you know, it, there's so much that it opens up even if we don't know why the the story resonates with us i think somewhere in us uh jordan peterson talks about archetypes in in like carl jung i love uh, him i love both of those totally totally <laughs> he talks about his kids he's like my son came to me with a story about dragons fighting monsters and or knights fighting monsters he's like this kid's never seen a dragon or a monster or a whatever. Where did he get this from? And more universally, when you boil it down, it's these good versus evil, like this versus that, or in essence, just sensing contrast that, that creates a, a feeling of empowerment because you are able to find calm in the storm. You're no longer excited about the, the dragon getting slayed. You're just seeing one thing replace another. And in essence, like we go through all those kind of things all the time, the universal themes of, uh, oh man, identity or, or attachment. These, I mean, identity boils down to attachment anyway. Buddhists think everything boils down to attachment, by the way. (laughs) And, and I adore their philosophy of non-attachment and how they say that attachment is what causes suffering. If you're attached to an identity, whether it's a nationality or I'm a man and that's my identity or I'm a student, like, what are you going to do when somebody says, no, you're not? Right. You know, it's like, I don't think I'll not be a man one day, but to somebody else, I might go to a different tribe and they call men women and women men. And so all of a sudden I'm a woman. So what am I going to do about it? Cry about the word change or, you know, accept the fact that my attachment to this word is nothing more than that. And um, I was just talking to my roommate yesterday about how, you know, I try to not to be so attached to everything, but boy, I would be one sad little bitch if I went out to the garage and my motorcycle was all fucked up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not going to cry about it too long. And I certainly do things to to keep, to maintain it in its, as I appreciate it. Yeah. But 
you know, when we get too attached to something, I think that's where spirituality comes in. And whether it's a religion that helps you filter out the, the, the meta themes in life, or it's a song, or it's a friend, or it's just an experience that you're having to reflect on, it, you're, be, you're a better person for taking the time to break something down and understand its origins. Because if you just hear a song and it's it, all you have to all you think about it was it's good or you don't know why it makes you act, that's no difference than somebody telling you to go rob that store and you just do it. Mm -hmm. Granted, in, in an extreme like opposite way. Right. Or like example, taste this, when you're having someone taste a food that they've never had before, you're like, hey, try this. It's really good. And they're like, they they get their perception of it when it's like, no, this is actually really awful. Like, no, this is actually, this is good. Thank you for sharing that with me. It's the same thing with anything. It's the same thing with music too. Like you share something that you really like. You don't know if that other person's going to like it or they're going to hate it. And like, yeah, yeah, you feel a little bit broken <laughs> inside when someone's like, no, I hate that. Like, why'd you, why would you ever share that with me? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't really get reactions like that, but everyone has their own tastes and their own, the way that, certain things uh trigger their senses where it's like i actually have a real problem with these certain sound waves or these certain rhythms so i can't enjoy it as much and then right then your perception is like i actually really like those things and they trigger me in like a more yep. positive way yeah so uh for example when you said rhythms or certain sounds even the tempo of music so I, I mentioned earlier that kizomba is it sounds quite like reggaeton but slowed down it's got a different tempo so it, it caters to a different vibe um drum and bass is really fast and it, it just there's a time and a place for it i'm not going to be you know trying to go to sleep and play in it but yeah. i'm also not going to be sitting there listening to mozart when i'm trying to be physically excited yeah like you ever listen to music on a playlist and you hit the shuffle button and you're like i don't want to listen to that shit like <laughs> no, that one I, song yeah <laughs> yeah that one song it's like why are you even here and that's like oh right because i put it on this playlist so right. like i guess yeah i did that yesterday i had to <laughs> i had to filter my running playlist i call it 86 because uh -huh. 86 beats per minute or something around there yeah um the song came on i think it was like ambition by wale and it was just a lot slower than the other songs and it it didn't match my cadence so i had to scrub it off that list uh for the love of money by bone thugs was on that list and i had to i had to get rid of it because it didn't it, it, threw, didn't off your the, it threw off your group it did absolutely yeah and i wanted to i wanted to like seamlessly transition you know i may i made shuffle in the middle of my steps while songs are changing because the you know they're not going to beat match but at least they'll be able to you know continue that feeling because once the physical aspect of it is there i can shift into a mental state or an emotional state or a spiritual state that's less reliant on physical things whether they be the feel of my feet hitting the ground or the the sound of the music in my ears or the so forth and so forth yeah. In in reference to spirituality, I think I heard Alan Watts say once that spirituality is simply that which we can't measure. 
And it's like at the edge of your understanding, that's where science goes. Science can o- will only claim to know, quote unquote, that which it can measure somehow. Pat, beyond that, it's all woo-woo. That's it's magic, you know? And if yeah. you started going around saying like, oh, this isn't science, this is magic, people are going to look at you crazy. But it's like, okay, when when there were certain inventions that were made and people looked at it and they perceived it as this is black magic, like this is witchcraft, you're going to get burned at the stake. How's this work? I don't know. It must be the demon stuff. Yeah. It's brought to you by the devil. Yeah, exactly. So it's crazy, you know, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's like how many people, how many brilliant minds did we lose by just assuming the worst of them? Like how many awesome inventions did we lose out on that we could have had so much earlier if people hadn't have been so skeptical and hadn't have been so afraid of the things that they don't know well we like stability that's that's huge in our list of things to do every day is seek stability find comfort as in but we got to be careful in that trap too because as soon as you get complacent you're not moving you're not getting literally out of your comfort zone because once you're out of your comfort zone you start learning because you're you're letting go of the things that you already know what's the point of living life if you know everything it'd be pretty boring there would be no change no nothing you might as well you're in a mental prison at that point everything's the same same time every day same things Uh, i mean i guess if if that's your thing then that's your thing you know same meal every day get up wear the same clothes do the same shuffle listen to the same music drive the same road right there's an author called Khalil Gibran Khalil he wrote a book called The Prophet and in it there's this like 12 year old boy who who had been on this island he was brought to this island as a as a baby or something and he finally came of age and he was getting ready to leave and it turns out that he was like one of the wise men of the town and so right before the ships arrived to get him he answered questions at the town center and there were just themed thematic questions like oh prophet speak to us about children oh prophet speak to us about food oh prophet speak to us about love and there's this one about i can't remember what what they asked him to speak about but he said something about like if you think oh this was manuscript from Accra, which is by uh, paulo coelho same guy who did the the alchemist uh, but the same same type of deal this guy ends up uh, in a society where he he becomes a wise man and uh, on the edge of battle on the eve of battle they're at they gather and they ask questions so he said something about something he was like well if you think adventure will kill you try complacency <laughs> you know if, that, if you think adventure is dangerous then try routine i think routine is what he was getting at a lot of people struggle with that when they've figured out what makes them comfortable and they can get it on tap whether it be their music or their food or their uh, all their friends agreeing with them a couple years ago I realized I kind of like when I find someone who wants to beef with me (laughs) not that I'm going around starting beef Uh, Wu-Tang had this line in one of their songs he's like or one of one of the guys from Wu Tang. He's like, I got mouths to feed. Unnecessary beef is mo cows to breed. Mm-hmm. In China, we were at a restaurant, and I said something like, I think that the argument for veganism that relies on cruelty as the the catalyst for not eating meat is weak. 
because at that point you're saying that a plant doesn't feel pain but it's just another earthling it's another organism that you're ending it's you're snuffing a plant instead of an animal and granted plants don't cry so we can't perceive it with our ears the same way we can an animal or we can't see the sadness of a plant the same way we can see the sadness in an animal but and that's what i was getting at and she just wasn't having it she went all social justice warrior on me and talking about i just spent two months in india and blah 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 i'm like well excuse me your holiness i i, I didn't even know like now that that's now that that's been put out there well, oh my god let me let me backtrack a little bit oh wow well, you know what's crazy is that um, trees, flowers, uh, plants in general, they actually do produce sound waves. They produce their own music. There was like a whole study done where they recorded what or how plants communicate. And it was crazy. It was alien. You know, it was like, what? Like, how is that even possible? But there, it's like... It's insane. And the music that it made was just beautiful. So it's like you don't you don't perceive that these things or you know life is life. And it's crazy. It's like it's a growing thing. It breeds. It creates mushrooms are like interconnected and then it's like it actually is uh you know, it's a fungus, it's a mold, it spreads, you know, it regener it regenerates, it helps people um medicinally you know or it's not even a word just medicine wise medicinally yeah medicinally yeah i just said it weird psilocybin blows my mind and i remember a couple of joe rogan's talks where he talked to this guy and i can't remember him off the top of my head but i'll have to look it up and and i'll let you know but like some of the experiences that he had where he had like a terrible stutter and then he took these mushrooms and he had this crazy wild like experience where he like climbed atop of the tree and he had this like kind of out of body experience happening to him. Obviously, this was like a, a psychedelic mushroom. And then afterwards, he didn't have the stutter anymore. It was gone. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is crazy. That guy I just mentioned, Dr. Weiss, he said he, he had done some acid once and he was terribly uh, pale skinned, like he would burn real quick out in the sun. Mm -hmm. And and he said he was tripping one time and he he brought it to his awareness that it's like, man, this is bullshit that I'm, me and the sun just don't get along. Mm -hmm. And he spent his whole trip reflecting on that and, and trying to figure it out and wondering why and went through all aspects of questioning it. And then afterwards, never had an issue in the sun. It, he rearranged, he must have rearranged the his vibration when it came to... For his thought process. Like he pushed Absolutely. Himself, he pushed himself to be uncomfortable enough to actually like... Uh, stand change something around. about it. Yeah, and change something yeah. about it internally. And then Absolutely. it happened externally. So like, stuff like that is just so cool to me. And it's people, powerful. yeah, and people are just like, oh, it's woo woo, it's fake, it doesn't exist. And it's like, you can't say that. What it's like what you said earlier, the conversation, uh, where it's like, there's your story, there's her story, and then there's the truth. And it's That's like, harsher, yep. baby. <laughs> and it's like, you never really know, <laughs> like, the truth is a separate being, and mm -hmm. whether someone has already told it to you. And you're going to believe it or not. Well, here's the thing. The truth is objective. Our truth is subjective. 
Yeah. It's based on our perspective. Per means one, or like percent, one out of a hundred. So perspective, spect means to see, like spectacle, spectator. Right. Uh, So it's one view of the thing. Yeah. So that's what that's what they call like your truth. It's like yeah, that's how that's the filter that you live by. That to you is the thing. Right. There was this. I think he was a Greek philosopher. He's called Sextus Empiricus. And we we give credit to him for the empirical method. We give credit to him for um, ad infinitum, which is like if you've ever had, I'm sure your kids are, are about that age now, where you tell them something they think they know better about. Why? <laughs> why? Why? Because you can always ask why. Because yeah. then you'll get something else to question. It's like when you dissect something, when you dive deeper, you'll realize it's real complicated. You, the, I mean, scientists are getting into atoms and splitting quarks and getting into like stuff yeah. beyond me. And they're like, well, there's more to it than we thought. And of course, because if you adjust, and that's the thing where people get tired and they don't have the energy to like actually teach somebody something. They they don't have they don't have time to teach you how to fish. They'll they'll just throw you a fish and and think that's the justice that they that you deserve in the world, yeah. rather than you know let me let teach me how to fish. So let me can- show you how I came about about my knowledge and maybe that you know you'll come about yours. So that subjectivity that we have towards anything is is just that it's one view of the thing i can draw a six and you sitting across from me see a nine yeah but what is it it's uh, objectively it's a squiggle on the (laughs) on the ground yeah and it's so it's so weird to encounter somebody like way stuck in their ways you're like get over it dude like you're not the only thing in the world who made you king it's hard. Queen, and, it, and it goes both ways where it's like oh don't pressure me into like being more expansive in the way that I see things it's just the way that I see things you know and it's like when people like us like we're just super open-minded it doesn't make us necessarily better than you it just means that we have a different perspective on many things rather than just these one the, the one thing or the few things um, I feel like keeping the mind open you're able to put more in it and which doesn't mean like you just like can't decide on what to do it's you have more tools you're more resilient yeah. you have you have more uh, agency when it comes to more experiences yes yes you can adapt to more more things because you've you have more resources to draw upon now when you're all consumed by one certain thing and you don't got the time of day to be nice to somebody you have reached a, a point in life where you need you actually need to open up your mind because if that's if that's the trouble if that's the thing that pisses you off is you know having to be patient for someone or really you know listening to someone how can you be so different to where their life experience is impossible to understand you just gotta you gotta get rid of some of those filters or maybe put on some of those filters and be like, okay, I'm going to look at it through the, the lens. I'm going to look at it through the lens of compassion right now. I'm not going to listen to your words. I'm going to listen to your intentions. Mm-hmm. You're saying some shit that just I don't want to hear, but it's not like you're out to hurt me. You're 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 probably getting at something that I can feel too. So it's the words that are getting in the way. It's but I need to I pay attention to the intentions. 
Right. And I think like like my pops with that song, man. Yeah, it's like, I was oh, just thinking police. about that. <laughs> something about the police. <laughs> yeah, but dad, did you hear the other 99% of the message? Right. Did you hear like the other lyrics? Yeah, them? I get it that you can't relate to that one thing, but get over it. Relate to the rest of it and just be like, okay, that's, you know, if I get a, I get some new shoes and I get one scuff on them. Okay. Natalie says that I got to get two of those just in case one gets a scuff, catches a scar, he says. But at the same time, you know, that that doesn't, that's not what your shoe is, is that scuff. A person born with a, a deficit of some sort, um, you know, a, some disability or some some lacking, that doesn't define them. Um, a while back when I took my uh, abnormal psychology class, I I came upon a, an interesting perspective on how people are stigmatized through certain experiences. Um, you know, it's only in recent years that, that homosexuals are able to be gay and just live their life as, as everyone else can. Um, minorities in general, throughout life, whatever minority you fall into, whether you're a man, woman, a, a person of, of certain background, or you come from a certain country, or you wear glasses, or you got long hair, or whatever, whatever you're not part of the, main, the most, that's something that we all have to be more compassionate towards. And just to tie it back to the, the, the initial conversation of like when music can be there for you, yeah, there's a lot of shit people are expressing through music that doesn't really help everybody. But when you find something that you dig and it doesn't have to be for everybody, right. it could be that message hits you. Just like that song. I'll never get over that, man. I was like, dad, no, dude, you're going to love it. This is so cool, dad. Listen to this. He's like, hey, I got no emotion out of him. And then it finished. I'm like, what'd you think? Well, son, I, I, you know, it sounds like he had some issues with the police and I'm just like, well, pff, who hasn't? <laughs> he's, he's probably like me. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, dude. I, and I was always, I never really had him listen to another song again because I felt like I didn't want to go through that again of not being understood. Cause I totally got his message, dude. Like that, that song started off with it either started or ended with Will Smith talking to his dad about friendship and his dad went on this tangent like me and willie J used to blah, 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 blah back in the day and he's like all right all right all right dad but well, here's a here's a song about friendship <laughs> and uh oh man it's it just people get stuck man that filter yeah it's a, that's the wiliest thing to me yeah but get over it there's more there's more that's it that's it i think that's that's where that's where the the hiccup is is like they're like, this must be it. Yeah. No, no, no. There's more. There's more. <laughs> there's the always more to turn around and do it again differently. And it's there's the excitement more. of knowing that there's more and wanting to share that with other people. And it doesn't matter how it, it's it's funny. I find myself being very like selfish sometimes when it comes to like sharing stuff that I think is cool or stuff that like I really like with people. Um, and it's like either they're going to get it or they're not. But there's going to be at least maybe one person that's going to reciprocate and be like, yeah, I agree. That's that's cool. Or that sounds good. Yeah, you got you got to do it for you first. 
Yeah. I had a I had a friend go to Alaska for three months with just a knife and just chill out there by himself. And then I asked him, I was like, well, damn, you must have you must have like gone through some thoughts, right? You must have like figured some shit out. And he was like, yeah, man. I was like, whoa, what, what was the come away? How did you, um, you know, like what was this big thought after it was all over with that, that you came through with? And he's like, those kind of things you want to share with somebody because no matter how hard you explain it or how many pictures you take or what way you express it, it will never ever live up to being there. Right. And and I asked him to go deeper and he's like, well, if I had have had somebody there with me, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to say that the solitude did something for me that I did for myself in that experience. But I wouldn't have to feel the pain of trying to make somebody relate yeah. because I've, I'm I'm describing this thing to you on my terms, how I perceived it, how I felt about it and that's based off of all my past experiences and and how I put my shit on it how my filter makes it for me and when we tell it to somebody else I, we're going to paint the picture how we want it to be seen absolutely it gets and diluted we can we can step back and let let somebody else digest but it'll never be like you like you had it for you yeah you should have brought a video camera <laughs> Still, though, it's like I quit taking pictures of the moon because no matter how good my camera is, it doesn't feel as good as just looking at it and breathing it. So true. I, I stopped taking pictures of a lot of stuff yeah. just because that picture will never do the justice that my eyeball does for me in that moment to it. If I need to create something later, okay, sure, I'll have I'll have some pictures in my phone of food and motorcycles and a certain scene and but that's it. It's it's never going to, I can't put the feeling into the phone. I can compose the photograph. I can make the picture a photograph through, you know, balance and weight and contrast and things like that. Yeah. But that's composure. That's me still, you know, composture, putting with position pretty much. Yeah. And, and I I'm, feel like sometimes when you make things tangible, it loses, it's like, origin of being maybe that sounds a little deep but like you know in terms of if he had created a video uh, or documented his his um adventure in some way it takes it kind of takes it apart and it allows other people to put their own filters on it and then once it's like a conversation that i had with somebody um, in terms of spirituality and religion, where it's like, you know, some dudes wrote a book and then that book got passed on and then someone else re rewrote the book and then another person rewrote the book and it just passes so many hands and so many thoughts and so many ideas. It It's unrecognizable from the first time or unrecognizable from the experience as a whole. So when I look at religion, uh, I'm an omnis, by the way. So like I find truth in all religions. I I don't uh I don't segment them or believe like one is better or more truthful than the other because I feel personally that spirit is something that comes in and involves us in some way or it's always there, then we're reminded of it. I, I would I would argue the latter, that it's always there. We just become aware of it. 
yeah, kind of yeah. like on the on those out of body experiences or those psychedelic experiences or just any other reality. It's always there. We just we just open that window and look at it. Exactly. You know, it's it's we're taking advantage of a certain door being held open for us by an experience. But it's always there. It's like I don't have to look at the tree outside or you know, I just have to get this wall of the home. Yeah. To the side and the tree's still there. Yeah. I can have that relationship with it long distance. I can go touch it, climb it, hug it, whatever. It's always there. We just we lose sight of that. And when somebody gives us a message, we can try to relate to them. But if they're too, you know, if they layer it with too much stuff, it we're not going to see it how they see it. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's like a eating some food with too many seasonings. Like mm-hmm. granted, like Indian food, super delicious, super Listen, seasoned. I, yeah, I like my seasonings. I like my spices. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you ever just bite into raw broccoli and you're eating like flower heads and the veins of a plant it's it's its own experience or if you've ever been thirsty of course we all have mm-hmm. you drink that water that is like the most vitalizing pure connection it's it's so intoxicating mm-hmm. that you know the more filters and layers and shit we put on it the less connected we can all be because somebody else has to dig through all those layers to get to the essence of the thing that they can actually relate to and then put their own layers on it. Yeah. And then it just ends up being something entirely different than what it was when it started. And um, one of the things, one of the metaphors that I've come to terms with recently was like our, our minds and I keep bringing up perception, but it's just, it's been so more, it's, it's just been so important lately. And just that it's always important. But, you know, for me, I'm like recognizing it more and more. Our perception is a house and there's one window and that one window is the world. And all we can see is what we can measure, like you were mentioning earlier, where it's like, okay, we see outside, but we don't see everything that's outside. We just see a part of it and whatever. You can't always trust your senses. You yeah. can't always trust your senses because they can deceive you. That uh, Sextus Empiricus wrote a paper called Modes of Perception. Mm-hmm. And what he talked about there is that the sensual mode, where we rely on our senses, the sensual mode can be dece- can deceive us. So we can't trust our senses. For example, um, cologne to the sense of smell. Oh, yeah. it's great. It's delicious. But if you taste it, you use a different sense to interpret the thing. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Fire looks pretty, but feels bad. Yeah. You know, and another mode of perception would be like a vantage point. Like I was talking about the tree outside that I can't see, but I can still feel good about it being there. Yeah. Uh, depending on your position in relationship to that thing, you're going to feel a certain way. Just like, you know, you hear music when you're happy and, and then you're going to probably enjoy it or you're going to find music that matches your vibe. Mm-hmm. Right. So depending on where you are in relation to this thing you're going to have a different attitude about it. It's not like your relationship changes, but you're going to feel a different feeling. I can look at an airplane in the sky and think, damn, look at this little look at that little thing. But then I get close enough to it, and it's bigger than me. I, and I can even go inside it at, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so the it, perception is everything. Perception is reality. Yeah. We've all heard that one before. And the caveat the, is that perception is also the limiter you know but, like it, but it's, then, every, it's everything yeah 
but your perception is always limited in a way like if we say that that reality is true whatever we're perceiving is must be there and truth and whatever then that alternate reality of someone else's perception seeing the same thing but differently mm-hmm. that begs the question well is is what i'm seeing accurate an accurate representation of the thing or is it just that i'm seeing it how i want to see it yes absolutely okay so we, we talked about so much like i wanted to bring up a whole other subject but it's like we find you so much to, do a to talk part about too we have to do a part two because like have to we have to i love it yeah we'll make a whole saga out of it you know and we did cover like a lot of things that i wanted to talk about anyways but it's just like i love having these conversations because you don't know where it's gonna go you don't know like where it's gonna derail or like what avenues are gonna open up so like it's awesome i love it yeah yeah, I'm looking forward to another talk like this and looking forward to the potentials. Hell a lot yeah. of juicy stuff we definitely covered. Music's a great subject, by the way. That's, you know, because be- everybody can relate to some kind of aspect of music, pretty much culture. Yeah. You, you could start a subject about food. Everybody's got their own food life. Yeah. You know, and their music life and whatever else it is that, that brings them joy. I've thought about bringing um, on someone who opened up their own, like restaurant business and thinking about putting them on here because it's a it's another creative outlet you know so mm-hmm. music creative outlets in general and it's like how cooks in a kitchen will like jam to the same thing and they'll make bomb ass food so yep. <laughs> yeah yeah okay. well thanks so much for doing this with my me. pleasure thank you jessica it was awesome yeah. being here you're welcome I'll see you next time all right